Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in-depth to share their experiences, brilliant insights, and vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments within the sport. The presenting sponsor of the Sidious Mag Podcast is Olipop. We've been pounding Olipop for months now, and our gut health has never been better. We all know the trepidation that runners have had for years about drinking soda. Olipop calls itself a new kind of soda. It's a delicious and healthy alternative whether you're a runner, a fitness enthusiast, or just someone who wants to make better choices. Olipop is the perfect drink for you. Olipop is a low-sugar, low-calorie beverage that is packed with prebiotics, botanicals, and plant fibers that nourish your microbiome and supports digestive health. It comes in a variety of tasty flavors like vintage cola, strawberry vanilla, lemon lime, banana cream. My favorite flavor is Tropical Punch. Sidious Mag podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders while using code Sidious25 at checkout on drinkolipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and other retailers. So the next time that you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. Drinkolipop.com, code Sidious25. My guest for today's episode is Notre Dame senior Olivia Markezic, who just ran 840 for 3,000 meters, which is the second fastest NCAA indoor performance at that distance of all time. It's been a fantastic year for her. In the spring, she won the 2023 NCAA title in the steeplechase and then finished fourth at the U.S. Outdoor Track and Field Championships. She returned to South Bend for one more full year and just capped off her final cross-country season with a third-place individual finish and a fourth-place team finish for the Fighting Irish. She also signed an NIL deal with On earlier in the fall. I'd say she's certainly a contender to make that U.S. Olympic team in the steeplechase and might even win the whole thing next June. In this episode, we chat about her rise in the NCAA ranks, how she found the steeplechase, why she came back for one more year, how she's continually surprising herself in these races, and her hopes with the Olympic trials looming on the horizon. Without further ado, here is Olivia Markezic. All right, Olivia, it's been a couple days since your epic run at BU, and you've had a couple days to reflect on it. So how are we feeling? Number two all-time NCAA indoor 3K. Yeah, it, it feels good. It's exciting. I'm definitely really happy with that performance. So it's it's more than I thought I would do that race. Um, so I'm definitely really happy about it. How did you sort of approach that, this weird time where everyone is coming off of you know, they're cross country fitness. There's only been, you know, a handful of workouts, you know, that have focused on speed work. So for you, I mean, what did you think you were capable of going into that race? And then did you surprise yourself at any point? I didn't have like a time in mind going into the race. I definitely just wanted to try to get a PR and um, to win. So that was like my two goals, just to like focus on racing the people around me and focus on winning. Um, and then obviously a PR is always a fun thing to do. So 
Um, I knew it was going to go out or I knew that it was going to be paced around like 440 pace. So um, I just wanted to like try to hold on to the pacer and then maybe, you know, work on not falling back in like the third quarter of the race and just like stay up there and maybe even like push the pace a little bit once the pacer fell off. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up, I was able to do that, which is good. I, I finally figured out how to not like fall back before, you know, I have to use my kick to catch up. So yeah, it was definitely, it was a fun race. Do you like the 3k distance? It's that weird mix of sort of like, all right, you need a 5k runner's strength and then you need the speed of a miler, but it's also the distance that you can test over water barriers. So the 3k is so weird. I know. Yeah. I feel like I just like, all I do is 3k's between indoor. Cause I don't have time to do like an indoor 5k. Cause I just focus on like the 3k and DMR so I can, cause it's hard to, you know, do the DMR and the 5k at the same time. So yeah. I, and then with steeple, it's just more 3k's. So I feel like that's kind of been my sweet spot. And like, even with training for cross country, like that endurance space is so important for a 3k. And then we start getting in that speed more at the end of the season. And so that really just primed me for the indoor 3k. So yeah, even though it's like a weird distance, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I'm used to it and that's just kind of where my sweet spot is right, right now. I was looking at some of like your stats from over the past couple of years and you know, traditionally, like, I guess like you've always done like a full cross country season and it's paid dividends. Once you hit the track, what is it that you think like body wise or like training wise, you get out of a full cross country season? Cause you, you know, the last two years you've proven how good you are over grass, but it translates very quickly for, for the track. Like I kind of need a full cross country season to help, you know, get me ready for nationals for cross nationals. Cause I feel like typically I would need to like race into shape. Um, and typically my first few races of a season are like not great. And then I like tend to improve a lot throughout the season. Um, and I feel like maybe now I'm at the point where I'm kind of growing out of that. Um, cause I got like a later start to the season and I didn't race as much as I typically do. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like just racing into shape is kind of what I was used to from high school too. So that's just, yeah, what I've kind of always done. So are you going to get to enjoy a little bit of a break after this indoor race? Yeah, I'm doing my two weeks of downtime now, and then I'll, I'll start building back up again afterwards. So I had Parker Valby on the podcast last week, and then she talked me through her race. And then a couple of days ago, I spoke with Caitlin Tui, and I got her perspective on kind of that gutsy finish of hers. So I'm so curious about like your own experience in Charlottesville, where you know people are bunched up for that first K. Parker finds her way to the front. And then after that, like all the TV cameras and the drones are just following what she's doing. And in looking at the splits, like in those final three kilometers, you were kind of, or even the final four kilometers, it was like sixth, fifth, you know, fourth, third, and then you stayed there. You were always in it. What was happening in that chase pack? And I guess like, how did you approach that race? I I really just approached that race, like with the mentality of just, sticking my nose in it and like really just trying to give it my all. Um, I didn't have an idea of what place I wanted to be just because I feel like that can kind of add a little bit of stress and anxiety on top of racing if you're like set on getting a certain place. Um, so I just wanted to like give it my all, see what I could do. And then especially like with being sick that week leading up to it, like um, my sister and I both got neurovirus. And so I heard about this, like yeah. the, it was just sort of like, I mean, there were so many teams getting sick, like NC state had yeah. its own issues, but what was, what was going on with norovirus on the Notre Dame team? I know it was kind of crazy. I mean, 
So like I I got it like far enough out where I was like, okay, I'll feel normal by race day. Um, and so I, I got it like Saturday night, Sunday morning, and I texted my coach Sunday morning and I was like, sorry, I can't come to long run. Um, and so I, you know, didn't run that day, like just tried an easy run the next couple of days. And then my sister got it Monday night, Tuesday morning, and we were leaving to go to nationals on Wednesday. So that oh was gosh. like cutting it close. Like when I had it, I was like, okay, I'll be fine for nationals. But when Andrea got it, I was like, oh, this isn't good. And like, we needed her for our team to do well. So like I going into the race, I also was just like, okay, like we're probably not going to podium as a team, like top 10 finish would be fine. Um, but yeah, so she, and she got it like worse than I did. She was like, like we were debating going to the ER, um, at 6am cause she just would not stop throwing up. But oh my gosh. Yeah. So like, especially with having that the week leading up to nationals, it was really just like, like the mentality of just being gritty and just going out there and just sending it. Like we had nothing to lose at that point. Like just, we got to go out there and give it our all. As one of the upperclassmen on the team, like, are you the one who is talking to everyone, like kind of calming people down? Like, we've got this, like, we're going to be fine. Or like, you have to kind of put on that face for the team. People would ask me like, oh, how are you feeling? And and they would ask Andrew, like at pre-meet, like how, like I would ask Andrew, like, how are you feeling? And at that point, like, all you can say is like, oh, I'm fine. Like, you can't, you don't want to worry people. You don't want to like stress them out. So like, you just have to be like, oh yeah, I'm fine. And then it also convinces you that you're fine. So it's really just like a mental thing of just being like, yeah, I'm okay. Like this, like I, like my head is pounding every step that I run, but like, you know, what can I do about it? Does any of that go away when you're on the starting line and it's like time to focus or was it actually just sort of like painful? So my, I felt fine by the day of the race. And then Andrea, like at pre she was like, her head was still pounding every step. And I think she felt fine for the day of the race. Um, but, you know, you're like, you have so much adrenaline and you're like so focused on the race where you kind of just like forget about all that stuff. And you just like focus on the people around you and like the race that's happening. When Parker takes off, what do you think at that point? It's sort of like, all right, she's going to do her thing. Maybe she comes back to us and now it's just among us to battle. Because, I mean, towards the end, she got the side stitch and, you know, slowed down a little bit. But and that gap was getting kind of smaller as it went along, maybe if it was like an 8K or a 10K, you guys would have ended up catching her. But your instinct is like, all right, I'm not covering that move. I was definitely just focusing on on the the next pack and like sticking up there with Caitlin Tui and the Alabama girls and really just trying to stay like neck and neck with them. Um, because I mean, like I mentioned before, I kind of have a habit of sometimes like the past past years I would like fall back a little bit around like 3k 4k and then I would like have to kick the last k and catch up so I've been really trying to work on that and just like um really just stay mentally strong and being like okay this is my group these are my people like I'm not falling back I'm staying here and working with them how aware were you of the team score because they did have sort of like that big jumbotron on like one of the turns where there was like fans on both sides and you know you could catch people peeking over you can also listen I guess to what you know people might be shouting from from the sidelines. So how did you pay attention to that side of things? I had no idea where we were as a team. I, I wasn't looking at the board. I don't think my coach was yelling anything about points for the team, to me at least. Um, so like the only reason why I went to go look at the score um, after the race, like all of our team huddled in that tent by the finish line. And um, Aaron Strzelecki and my sister Andrea were like, we think we're around 40th. Like we think we might've been all American, but we don't know. So then I went to go find my coach to like, look at her phone to see the, t see what the 
places were to see if they were all American. And I found out they were all American. And then I saw the team scores and I was like, wait, that's his fourth place. Like, there's no way. Um, And my coach was like, yeah, like it might change. Like it might not be finalized yet. And so I was just kind of like disbelief, like, okay, let's not say anything yet to the other girls. Like, I don't, it's not for sure that we're fourth place. Um, But yeah, it was, it was definitely so shocking. Like after just getting sick that week, I, I thought there was no shot that we would be able to podium. Team ends up finishing fourth matches the preseason ranking third podium finish in like school history second highest finish in program history three all-americans i guess like how special was just all of that yes you had to overcome so much of that and then also just like getting to share that team experience with your sister it's definitely the best way i could have ended college cross country um the podium has been something that we've kind of been working towards the past three seasons like my Two years ago, when we got fifth, we I think we were ranked as fourth going into the going into nationals, and we were definitely not ranked that high for the rest of the season. But it was just like the end of the season; things were kind of we were figuring things out, um, and we moved up in the rankings. And like fifth was, or actually I think we were fourth last year going into nationals, and then we ended up just getting seventh, and we didn't have the best day. But uh, when we got fifth two years ago, that was like that was also a surprise, and. Um, and then like ever since then, we kind of like set our sights on like, oh, maybe we could podium in the next two years. Um, so it's definitely been something in the back of our mind and especially being ranked fourth during this preseason. We were like, OK, this is actually possible. Like we can do it. Um, but then for most of the season, we were like we dropped down in the rankings and we were maybe around like eighth or or even lower sometimes. So I, I try not to focus on that too much. Um, like rankings in the end, they just don't matter. All that matters is what you do at nationals. So um, I tried not to focus on that and just focus on like what we can do as a team to be better every day. Um, And then, yeah, it ended up just like definitely exceeding our expectations. I guess from when you got there as a freshman, how have you seen sort of like the program change and evolve to get to this point where like you guys go into a season expecting to to, and hoping to make a podium? It's definitely so different than my freshman year. Um, My freshman year, I think we got 15th and... I also was like not expecting to even be on the varsity squad that year. I like my goal coming into Notre Dame was like to be varsity by my junior year. Like I had very low expectations, but um, like just being able to contribute to the 15th place at nationals was like so exciting for me. And then the next year, like it was COVID year, we ended up not racing at nationals. Um, And like the team culture and just the team has evolved so much every single year. And being able to develop this team where people are really working together and we we have more like depth in the middle where people can actually race together and stick together like Andrew and Aaron and Shona. And so it's really cool being able to see develop that type of team where like we're all working together in the race instead of like maybe having like just one front runner and then like people sprinkled throughout like it was my first couple of years. How much of it does like tradition play into it too? It's sort of like the history of like the Notre Dame program, you know, on the women's side, you've got Molly Huddle, Molly Seidel. And it's like, you realize like, oh, like, you know, hearing those stats of like how high the team plays, like you are living in like the good days of Notre Dame cross country. And so for you to be part of that chapter in history, like, is it cool to see kind of where the program has gone like over time and, and what some of those runners in the past have gone on to do? It's definitely so exciting, especially seeing, you know, um, like the Notre Dame cross country icons of Molly Seidel and Molly Huddle, like seeing what they have been doing post collegiately. But 
um, like just being able to develop this team is just so exciting too for for us to be able to do that for Sparks as well. Like he was even saying around, I think after Nationals, he told us that he, um, coming into Notre Dame, like he wanted to average placing like top 15 or top 10 at Nationals every year. And like within the past few years, we've definitely exceeded that goal of his. And so it's just really exciting to be able to like accomplish that for him as well. What is Coach Sparks is kind of like training philosophy, like boiled down to, or like, what does he kind of continually hammer home? Because, you know, I went to school at Marquette, but I was kind of like the honorary uh, Notre Dame groupie of sorts where I'd go to, you know, the Mayo invite and the after parties that followed and like the cross country meets. And so for like my the chapter of my college career, I was constantly at Notre Dame and I loved you know, kind of being around the track team. And so I was familiar with Carlson and, and Piani and they're like kind of like coaching and training philosophy. So what is Sparks is like? I love Sparks's philosophy and just like his whole approach to racing. He always talks about like just being in your window, racing in your window. And he's very logical about his pre-race talks and like telling you what you're able to do, which I really appreciate. Like he's not, he's not super emotional and he doesn't like yell at you if, you if you have a bad race which I think is really nice sometimes um but he'll just say like okay like based on these workouts you're able to run like between top 10 and top 20 in this race and um it, I feel like that gives me a lot of peace going into races because then I just like have this such this logical approach to it I'm like yeah like I'm able to do this and that's like a fact based on my workouts um so I really appreciate that and then yeah, his training is really like it's aerobically based. He always says that he aims to be the most aerobically fit team in the country. Um, and then so we do a lot of like aerobic stuff for most of the season. And then we like get that speed in at the end of the season. It's so interesting, especially how it's paid off for you in the steeplechase, because I look at some of the competitors you have like on the pro side. And like so many of them are training at altitude, like it's Emma in Boulder, it's Courtney Wayman out in Utah and Chrissy Gear in Flagstaff. And so for you, you've got to find a way to make it work while you're at Notre Dame, I guess like South Bend, I've heard Yard's kind of take on like how much she didn't love South Bend, but as a training location, what have you thought of it? I don't think it's that bad. It's like like once you have the right clothes for running in the winter, then you're fine. And it makes it so much easier having a team to go out and do your runs with. Um, if I was alone, like that would be really tough running in the winter. But like, you know, you're chatting with your friends and running still fun when it's like snowy and 20 degrees. Um, but yeah, it's good. We have a lot of like a lot of good like bike paths and um places like that and like it gets really plowed around campus like almost immediately so it's still really easy to run around campus in the winter um and then you know towards the end of track season and it starts getting hot and humid in south bend and i feel like that also you know just helps the humidity training is poor man's altitude so i feel like that was definitely beneficial for me at the end of my track season so your dad went and ran at Notre Dame in, in the 90s. But like, if we go back to sort of like that recruiting trip a couple of years ago, like what drew you to the program? I didn't take my recruiting visit until January for Notre Dame because my dad was like, if you want to go to Notre Dame, like you need to see it at its worst. And so I saw it when it was like all snowy and I visited a week before they had the infamous polar vortex where I think it goes to like negative 46 degrees with wind chill. Um, so I definitely saw it at, at its worst, almost its worst. I didn't see it at the polar vortex, but the week before, 
Um, and that didn't scare me away. I was like, yeah, I can, I can deal with this. It's fine. Like I have a winter coat and I'll get through it. Um, but what really drew me to the team is, um, like the combination between the really good academics and really good athletics. And then I really, I really liked Sparks's approach to coaching. Um, and I also just thought Notre Dame as a whole, like the community was really special on campus and there's a lot of school spirit for sports and everyone else just seemed like super collaborative and super like nice to everyone and super welcoming. So I just kind of like the campus as a whole too. With regards to the steeplechase, like I think I read this that your dad was the one who kind of suggested it because in Washington, it's not contested in high school. What's the deal with that? It's not a sport during the regular season in high school, but they have like, like the Portland Track Festival was always a couple weeks after state and then like New Balance Nationals. Those are kind of where I raced it in high school a little bit. And I just always thought it looked super fun. And I would like see it when I was like a freshman and sophomore and my track coach was like, there's no way you're doing steeple. Like you're going to get injured. Don't do it. And so then my dad actually took over and started coaching me my junior and senior track seasons, but not cross country, just track. And so he was like, he asked me if I wanted to do steeple. And I was like, yeah, I want to give it a shot. So um, and he's from New York State. So like he he attempted it in high school or he attempted it when he was little. I think he still has he ran it in eighth grade and I think he still has like the eighth grade record for steeplechase. But something like that. Yeah. Um, but nobody runs it anymore as an eighth grader. So, yeah. But back in, he has a photo from it and like he was so short as an eighth grader, like he was stepping on every barrier. So um, he to coach me, he just kind of looked up YouTube videos and we went to a public track in Seattle and we put the barrier over the sand pit and just, you know, started trying to do water jumps. And I was like landing with two feet in every water jump. But it was it was definitely like a fun introduction to steeplechase. And I ended up just really liking it the couple of times I tried it in high school. And when it comes to like steeple form and technique, is there anyone you try to like kind of mimic or model? Because like you watch how some of these East Africans go over and it's totally different from like what you see from an Emma Coburn or Courtney Frerichs. And so there's many ways to do it. What what works for you? There's so many ways to do it. I mean, even like like Courtney Wayman has such a different steepling style than like all the other Americans. But um, I mean, I just tried to learn it by you know, the most popular way that I've seen in the videos. Just, um, and I also, before my first couple of years, before I would race the steeplechase, I would watch like Emma Coburn in the Olympics racing the steeplechase, you know, try to, she was like perfect form. So I would kind of try to like get that like mentality of that form. Um, but honestly, like my form was just like, I stutter step a lot. And so um, I'm not as pristine as she is yet, but yeah, I definitely would look at Emma Coburn's form. It's so funny because it's sort of like we've gotten to this point now where like these all time greats are competing against college kids who watch them on on YouTube. And so I was having this conversation with Corey McGee about how Parker Valby said that she looked up to Corey and I was like, Corey, like, we're not that old. And like, there's these college kids who have looked up to us now for you, I guess, like 2021 Olympic trials must have been like a pretty formative experience because that was, I guess, one of the first times you're up against these women that you looked up to. I was like starstruck being in that race and seeing Courtney Ferricks. And I, w I was in Courtney Ferricks race for the prelim. And we were like lining up to go to the track, like to go underneath before the race. And um, 
I like asked her a question like I didn't realize it was her standing in front of me and I like asked her like oh are we like lining up in her number order and she like turned around and she was like oh no not yet and I was like that was Courtney Ferrix she just talked to me like that's insane um so I think that race was more just you know being there for the experience and I think it was a good experience just like you know learning how to be in such a competitive like race at such a high level um even if I wasn't like trying to race at the front of it uh it was it was just like a really cool experience like kind of realizing for the first time that I can race these people that I've been looking up to how long does that last um because it's like after my third race I was like okay I'm gonna be I have to get used to this like I can't idolize Courtney and and Emma anymore it's like I'm out there to beat them now that's definitely like a huge shift once like last year just kind of getting that mentality it was the biggest thing and I, I feel like coach sparks too like helps he's just like yeah you're you're just as good as anyone out there and just like hearing that from him helps me realize that we're speaking in December in like three weeks we're going to be able to say like it is the Olympic year and like the stakes are so much higher there's a trials looming seven months from now when I kind of run through that like are you excited like is a little part of you nervous like it's it's the Olympic year it's crazy and I feel I feel so lucky to be coming out of college in a year where I'm still like like I haven't had to do any coaching changes this year and like I'm still with Sparks and um, like I'm, I'm doing the training that I'm used to, like going into an Olympic year. So I'm definitely like really excited for that. But yeah, I'm, I'm just not putting any pressure about that on myself. Cause I, I mean, there's still so much time before then. And I still have to focus on the NCAA indoor season and NCAA outdoor season. So, um, I'm definitely excited to race the trials, but yeah, I, it's just going to be like, we'll see what happens. We'll go out there and like, I'm, I'm going to give my best shot at it. And I'm not going to put any pressure on myself and we'll just see what happens. I've already put it out there on Twitter. I'm like, she's like, Olivia's going to win the whole thing. Did you foresee sort of like, you know, after you graduate, this potential to make an Olympic team and take running to the next level professionally? Has that always kind of been a thought or when did that sort of switch turn on your mind? Like I can make a career out of this. And you've got like the, all these awesome degrees as well now. I mean, the first time where like I even flirted with that idea was when I ran the Olympic trials my sophomore year. And like I never even thought going into college that I would consider professional running at all. And it was just like when I was at the trials, like my my coach started making jokes like, oh, when you're like running professionally, like he would just say things so lighthearted and like make jokes about that. But then I like the past few years, I've I've never really, you know, seriously considered that until um, really until I ran USA's last summer. Um, then that was like kind of the turning point where I was like, okay, this is, this is possible. Like this is, this could be a, a good career for me post collegiately. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely haven't started thinking about it seriously until, until more recently. The fourth place finish at last year's USA's you walk off the track. Are you like disappointed? Like, are there some tears of sadness? It's like miss just missing out on like a world championship team. But then again, like knowing that you're still in college and and like you're fourth in the country against these pros, some of whom like have made teams in, in previous years. It was definitely only happy tears. I think fourth place was the best place for me to be in because I still really care about the NCAA cross country season. And I think pushing my season to worlds would have been really challenging for me to come back for cross country. So I'm I'm super ecstatic with how my season ended. It was 
obviously like a really great PR that I'm super happy with and like fourth place is nothing to be upset about. Um, so I think it just worked out perfectly. The on NIL deal came about in the fall. Did I guess like this trip, like the pro offers and sort of that conversation start to take place right after USA's. I know you kind of already said you, you were already looking forward to like cross country season, but like, was any part of you thinking like, Hey, this could also be a possibility now. I mean, I never considered, um, going pro instead of doing a fifth year. I always knew I wanted to do a fifth year. And I think I just need that extra year to just like, give me the confidence that and continue running PRs at the NCAA level to show me that like I am ready for the pro level. I think I just kind of need that confidence of like, okay, like, yeah, this, this is the right move. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I, I was considering like NIL deals, um, kind of towards the middle to end of my after track season. So I knew like I would at least be able to do like an NCAA or an NIL deal and be able to like represent a brand during that NCAA, but I still wasn't set on running professional at that point. What made on such a good fit and how did you make that work? Because it's sort of like people look at Notre Dame and like, we're seeing it with Stanford where it's like, like 80% of that team has an on NIL deal. Uh, but in terms of just like Notre Dame's an, uh, an Under Armour school, they just paid so much money to sponsor like, the football team, the basketball team, and in track, like you were wearing the on spikes during the cross country season. So, you know, what made that? A With the NIL deal, I wanted to choose um, the brand that I felt most comfortable in their shoes and that I really thought I would race well in. Um, and so being at an Under Armour school, the past couple of years, they haven't had like a super shoe at the caliber of like the industry standard. So they've allowed us to wear kind of whatever shoes we want in the NCAA. So like um, our school has been buying us like Nikes, uh, to race in. And I think we just have to take the logos off and it's all good. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely just wanted to go for like whichever spike I liked the most. And Notre Dame was like totally fine with me wearing whatever brand in the NCAA. So it just worked out well. Yeah. So last year you win the NCAA steeple title the hardest thing about winning a title and then having to come back for a, whole, a, a full year is that you have to defend it. And this time around, like, I feel like it's only leveled up. You've got Alabama's Doris Lemon goal who competed at a diamond league last year. And then, you know, CBU's got Greta. Like, how are you kind of thinking this indoor season is going to set me up great for outdoor season? Like in terms of like a roadmap over the next six months, like how do you approach that? I like to focus on just like, you know, one race at a time, like just continuously improving. And so at least last year, definitely like indoor nationals really gave me the confidence that I could that I could win the steeplechase and outdoors, um, which I wasn't really thinking about before, just because, you know, I don't like want to set my expectations too high because I don't like being disappointed. But um, so I think like getting second at indoors last year really showed me that I, I do have the capability of winning. So I'm just excited to, you know, be able to challenge myself and be competitive and see what I can do in indoor this season. And hopefully, you know, I'm able to defend my title in outdoor. This full send mentality that you've kind of have to to races, like, are you and your sister, because you guys are twins, like different in that sense? Or is it both of you like, we're all in all at once, like, let's do this thing? That's definitely been my mentality. And I think she's had a, a little bit of a harder time, like getting that really embrace mentality down. 
Uh, but it's definitely something we've talked about a lot. And like she's she's definitely improving on that race mentality and just having that confidence going into a race. How can someone tell the two of you apart, like when it comes to racing, like running form, like, is it exactly the same or do you two do something a little bit different where it's like, oh, you know, her arms are a little higher or lower. Like when it comes to running, is it identical? I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think. Um, one of my teammates actually recently just told us that because our dad was a runner and like we saw my dad running like when we were in Boston and one of my teammates was like, oh, like Olivia has like your dad's leg running form and Andrea has your dad's arm running form. So like, I think we're a little bit different. I think she's, she's like more upright and I kind of slouch down more. Um, yeah, we, I think, I feel like I, I don't even know the difference between our forms. Like they're a little different. I feel like you can kind of see the nuances if you like know how we've run for a while. But yeah, she also, since we're, you know, teammates and we're in the same grad program and we're like doing everything together, like in all of our classes together, we did want a way to tell us apart easily. So she did bleach her hair blonde, but it's like a balayage. So now the roots are like brown. Um, So it's kind of harder when we're running and her hair's in a ponytail because her hair just like looks brown from the front. Um, But that's like, that would be the easiest way to tell us apart. Being part of a running family, like growing up, were turkey trots just like more competitive than you than than most other families or like are there certain conversations around the dinner table where it's sort of like dad I'm coming for your PR in this event or whatever it might be like how does how do those family dynamics work there's definitely a lot of running talk um our brother was also a cross-country runner um so yeah, three of the four kids are runners. Our our older sister is the only one who wasn't a runner. And then she was a figure skater and a dancer. Like my mom, my mom was a figure skater. So they definitely get annoyed with how much running talk there is. Um, and at some points, my mom was just like, okay, we need to change the subject. Like, let's talk about something else. But I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, I feel like my dad and I can never stop. Like, we, you can never talk about running too much. This came up on my Discover page. I was going to bring it up uh, on Instagram before this uh, conversation, but it's your parents on on Strava. Like, I think your mom logs like walks before like major races. Like, what's the story behind this? I love when parents are so supportive. It's like, I got to get my nervous energy out before my kid does something great on the track. My mom definitely loves her Strava walks. She loves, yeah, she loves putting her photos out on Strava too. Um, It's just fun for her to be able to do something and like, explore whatever city that I'm racing in and yeah she's she's obviously so supportive so she's like definitely very excited to see me race and she needs to do something before those races too final question that I've got that is basically how we ended the press conference at uh the NCAA cross-country championships and and you weren't one of the athletes there but I found it so funny and so interesting um it was Kyle Merber asking you know Caitlin Tuohy uh, Elise Stearns and Parker Valby, what are you majoring in and studying in college? And then like, how does it help with your running? And so you've got, you know, a degree in marketing, a minor in studio art, currently pursuing a master's in business analytics. How does that help with running? I think especially my master's, is it's, it's challenging. And so it's definitely teaching me, you know, just to push through the pain and to buckle down and like get stuff done. So I feel like that has shown a lot in my racing actually just like being able to like okay embrace the pain buckle down like we're gonna get through this no matter how hard hard this is um but then also like I don't know 
I did a minor in studio art just for fun. It's like a little relaxing, like enjoyable. So I also like to, you know, just have fun with my races and have fun with my training and, you know, don't take it too seriously. And it's honestly like running should just be fun. And if you're not having fun with it, like then why do it? So, yeah, I feel like there's you see that in both running and my academics. I love that answer. It was so much more thought out than Caitlin too, just saying like, I yeah, I've got a business degree. I'm the businesswoman on the team. <laughs> Olivia, I, I appreciate you taking the time for this. Do you know what your next race is going to be at? I'm not sure. I think I might do the Mayo Mile on Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah. See, like that one, I feel like for a couple of years it fell off. It used to be the one that it's like, everyone go, there's going to be a fast race. It was always going to be like a sub four attempt. And now like on the men's side, like sub four is not all that hot anymore and you've got 50 of them happening at like BU but I feel like the Mayo Invitational lost its shine a bit we definitely need to get it back yeah we do bring back the Mayo Mile it's a lot of fun and I love our track I love the atmosphere it's like recently renovated so it looks cool too and then you know oversized tracks are so much so much fun to run on is do, do the after party still happen yeah, Cinco de Mayo. Yes, <laughs> there we go. Olivia, thanks so much for doing this and wishing you the best of luck the rest of the indoor season. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys, so please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.